Welcome back to the Girls Talk Ag podcast, plowing through the manure online. My homies. Yo. Above all other homies. See, Jen's so excited. She's already in. Hey, Jen. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. No, I can't say. Don't say that. Take that out. No. God (laughs) damn it. (laughs) Not taking any of it out because it's fun. (laughs) Karen, how are you doing? Oklahoma? I am present. (laughs) Yeah, she's screaming Oklahoma. (laughs) I have a reputation to uphold, Oklahoma. So uh, how are you guys doing? How's life? Good. In your neck of the woods. Good. Karen? This is the busiest week of the summer between soccer, t-ball, tumbling, Bible school, swim lessons. If I can make it to Friday, I can make it through the rest of the summer. Look at you. What are the girls doing while you're doing all those things? (laughs) (laughs) You got a sitter so you can go have a good time. I saw someone post on Facebook today uh, from back home. They were looking for a couple girls to play uh, slow pitch softball this weekend. And I actually had like a twinge of sadness that I wasn't close to home to play. And then I had to remind myself, like, I have not played softball in... Mm, 10 years probably now and I would probably really embarrass myself like the first time get up there and uh tear a muscle or break a leg or take a ball to the face I was gonna say you could probably play well but you'd regret it for the next four or five days oh my gosh yeah but like my nightmares now consist of like I'm supposed to be playing volleyball like I used to be able to and I can't I don't know it's weird I need a new hobby apparently to keep me busy but anyway what is happening? We figured, you know, when we have nothing else to really talk about, or at the very least, or, we have no no time to do research. There right? you go. That's Too many really- topics, not enough time for research. Yeah. What What would you like to talk about? Um, let's talk about the farm bill. Okay. I'm going to need like a <laughs> month to get started on that one. So we figure, why not talk about what's going on in our backyards? There's a lot happening. It's the last week of June already. I'm trying not to be that person that realizes once the summer solstice comes, the days get shorter and it's only a matter of time before January's here and I'm pissed. Um, Trying to just enjoy the warmth, but still fighting with my husband over the windows being open or not open. So that's fun. But we figured let's talk about what's happening. So Jen, uh, since you are the furthest east right now, um, tell people what's going on in your backyard. You are south of Indianapolis, correct? So yeah, we're just, just about to... 15 minutes south of Indy. Um, you know, the last few days have been, we've had quite a bit of rain, but not a ton. Um, and the heat really slacked off a lot. Now, um, I believe someone told me Saturday is supposed to be 95, so that's not overly pleasant, but, um, the last three, four days have been a little overcast. I've mowed the grass, mowed the hog barns and, you know, not sunburnt, not sweating my ass off. So it's actually been kind of nice around here. Crop looks great. Yeah. That's it. It, uh, that's what I've been hearing. Um, Chris, Chris Campbell says that it's the best crop. And you agree that you guys have seen in quite some time, but unfortunately you're on clay, right? So for you guys in that neck of the woods, it doesn't take long to turn around. Oh, Chris always claims, yeah, we're just two weeks away from being broke and, you know, going out of business. might be Um, somewhat of a drama queen. Yeah, Chris is a little bit of a drama queen, (laughs) a little bit, um, because things don't go good, you know. It has to be perfect or it's terrible. Yeah, he's waiting for the other foot to drop. Yeah. But, um, 
When the rain started a couple weeks ago, we really needed it. Um, we were on the border of looking like we were growing pineapple out in the cornfields. But um, but we got the rain, and the rain kept coming, and then the rain stopped, and the heat kind of slacked off a little bit. So we're, we're doing pretty good right now around here. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people on their second cutting of hay. Um, still a lot of wheat to cut around here. We did get our wheat cut before this rain came in. Um, which I think, knock on wood, we were kind of lucky. Um, it just happened to work out that we got to it. But again, we only had 36 acres, so it's not like... How are we? You know, it took two weeks. You know, we ended up with 77 bushels oh, an that's acre. that's a lot higher nice. than the guys I was with in north central Missouri because they were only like 50 to 60, so... Is yeah. that right? We have gotten kind of spoiled, I'm not going to lie. We um, Last year, I think we did 99.9. Um, we've been as high as 105. Yeah. But um, this year's wheat, I'm not sure what happened to it. It came up, and I'm not sure whether the ground um, froze and uh, heaved and broke the roots. But wheat was really short this year. I don't, there's not going to be much straw. And it um, kind of broke that root system off. And I'm not really sure, but it, um, it had some trouble. It looked pretty, looked pretty bad in uh, March, April. Well, April was pretty cold too, so that probably didn't help. Yeah, it really it was so delayed. I mean, for us anyway, with our wheat in Michigan, it was so delayed to take off, and then all of a sudden, it was off to the races. And of course, you know, with with wheat, it's nice to have it start and just maintain good development through the spring instead of waiting until, you know, like you said, it was cold through April. I mean, we didn't get a nice stretch of warm weather until the first part of May, which now it's easy to forget that since we've had like... We went from winter to summer. I mean, literally. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We went from we went from having snow on the ground to probably, I'm going to say, two, two full weeks at the most to putting seed in the ground. Yes. Yeah, it's true. Across the board. And then for us in Michigan, it was uh, a struggle... To get that, I mean, we we the guys had a chance to plant the first week of May, um, and that happened to be the time period where everyone was out doing as much as they could, and it just so happened to be the worst time to plant because they planted and then cold. I mean, the we came back for Mother's Day weekend, Carl and Colton and I did, and the high on that Friday was thirty seven degrees with like this driving rain, and so none of that corn really emerged just to speak of. And so everyone had to replant once they were able to get back into the field, the tail end of, of May on corn. So we're way behind in, in Michigan, partly because we went from um, winter to summer, but we had like this monsoonal flow. It, it seemed like for a good three weeks, you know, back home. So I, yeah, I'd have to check with Chris. I think we planted our entire crop in nine days and I think we may have set out one or two. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, and we started the last day of April, and like I said, we just went. Now, are um, you guys getting close to, to pollination and everything like that there, or are you a way away from that still? Or No, tassels are starting to show. Okay. Actually, there's quite a few fields where you can really see the tassels, and the rest of them are, are not far Is that behind. early for you guys? I, it's, I don't know. It, it feels early. like it to me, but I don't know if I'm just... Okay, because I'm like... I don't know. The kids, kids planted a corn, um, planted, they took some of the corn we planted and spray painted. I don't know if you guys have seen that on the, um, interwebs. 
uh, yeah. Twitter had it where somebody spray painted a corn stalk to see how much it would grow. It's amazing how fast yeah. corn grows. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like right now the tassels seem really early, but the corn is tall. The tassels and it are looks early good, because so. our May was so warm and we accumulated a lot more growing degree unit okay. days in May than we normally would. So we went from none in April so to that... getting a whole bunch in May. So our maturity, our crop is maturing faster than it normally does. So we only had 1.2 inches in the entire month of May. Um, but it was hot, like you said. Is that, what's that going to do to, uh, does that, is that going to affect yield or anything? Well, okay. <laughs> so I'll just read you. <laughs> It's, it's been explained a lot of different ways, but Matt Foes kind of explained it the best when he said, yield is driven by hours under the sun. Majority, maturity is driven by growing degree unit accumulation. So higher temps equal faster maturity, but less days under the sunlight. So corn, corn mm. matures about 60 days after tassel, which means the factory is going to close mid-August if we're tasseling now, whereas in 2017, the factory was open much longer. And we had a longer grain filling period, which um, contributed a lot to those higher and sometimes record-breaking yields for people. So, um, I know a lot of times in the past, we've past few years, it seems like it's been ninety degrees and high humidity when we've pollinated, and that's not good on the corn either. Is this um, kind of the same? It depends on what else is going on. If you have plenty of moisture, it's easier to withstand. But the hybrids lately um, don't seem to have their pollination thrown off as much as how they used to be so um i think it's a little bit overrated in some cases um but you know what, what the problem is we're going to be filling grain in hotter temperatures faster instead of stretching that period out and, and yeah because we had that cool wet right yeah, the cool wet August last year was what made what a, a lot, lot of, folks of stuff said last me. year. That cool yeah. August, yeah. Yeah. So I really don't know what our average rain is around here, but we've had 8.5 inches so far in June, and four and a half of that came this week. Wow. Yeah. Um, probably, I'm going to say in less than 36 hours. That's kind of my guess. It, it felt like hard. it. How about that? Um, so I don't know. So the, the corn, of course, is loving it, but the, um, the beans, I call it the teenage stage. They kind of look like they have zits and are looking a little rough around the edges, but, um, they've got some really wet feet and, and I think keeping their head above that is, is starting to if take its toll on If you start to cut them. the corn stalks, you'll notice that the corn's not taking it very well. Okay. It's so not. we have a lot of early season, early Earlier in season, potassium deficiencies with cannibalization of the stalks. So mm. if you get out there and you start splitting the stalks, you'll notice that it's not as translucent towards the bottom. It's it's like styrofoamy that you can kind of pick out. And generally, we kind of want to keep the bottom three nodes free of that until dough stage. But we were already seeing it in some fields a week and a half ago. So, so correct me if I'm wrong, but that means we get some high winds. The taller it gets, the easier um, it will be to take be down. Issue, but stock rots are going to be more of an stock issue. Stock rots going to be more um, of an issue. And just the fact that we don't have enough potassium in the plant when we start filling kernels. So mm -hmm. for those guys who were wondering and kind of complaining they had so many tillers, you guys probably might be better off at this point because you can pull the potassium out of those tillers where as the plant, you know, if, if it can't be pulling it out of the soil at the same time, um, with 
and with to do that it needs moisture but it needs nutrients but it also needs air and air is lacking Mm -hmm. in a lot of our root zones right now so um, (laughs) but that's an issue right now that we've been looking at in corn for the last couple weeks now our beans uh the last three fields i planted were kind of ugly uh, we had we had some emergence problems. Eventually, it kind of all caught up. But man, we needed some rain by the end of planting. Um, our fields, last three fields I planted, got kind of ugly. And did you get in that area? I know there was a portion of uh, maybe north central Indiana that had really bad Phytophthora and Fusarium taking out the bean stands. Oh no, we no. Uh, it was just happening about, about the last week and a half, two weeks. Um, large. No. Usually, it's like like small, like circles in the field, but some varieties were not taking it very well. And, and large portions were being taken out. Small. So what, so what did it look like? Were they, they, they die off, dying? but, um, the, like Phytophthora, the leaves stay on. Um, really? some of the other ones they can fall off, but, um, yeah. So there was quite a bit of that. Um, in some places it was fusarium. There's really the only way to tell is to actually send it into the lab and have them figure it out. Um, I would love to see that. If your neighbor has it, take a picture of it for me and tweet it to me. I mean, you don't have to do your own because obviously you don't want to take Ryan Deckard has some Ryan Deckard has some pictures on Twitter from, um, he's up just a little bit farther North than you in Indiana, but East central Illinois has the same issues. So now, is that what what causes that? Is that too much water? Because up northern Indiana, man, they got slaughtered with rain early. Um, too much to even plant. Um, water's part of it. The pathogen has to be present, um, and the environmental okay. conditions have to also, you know, all come into play. So, and the variety, so does that stay in the soil more resistant then? Than others, yeah. And that stays in the soil, so it's a potential for it again next year? Well, in two, well kinda... if they have beans on beans, but probably more so two years. Oh, but yeah, beans on if beans. If you have best, bad yeah. phytophthora okay. fields this year, just in two years when you go back to soybeans, make sure that you look at those ratings on, in the seed books okay. before you choose them. So Interesting. That is interesting. Um, Which brings so me to my observation. Your, your, <laughs> what are you seeing? Okay. <laughs> I said that a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, if I had an agronomic bingo card, I would have won a whole card game by now. <laughs> it seems like everything that could happen has happened. Um, I had one Tuesday about a month and a half ago. I had more phone calls in one day than I've ever had in 18 years. It was, just, And nobody has the same problem. Everybody's got something different going on. And so it's been pretty crazy. But you name it, we've had it. I mean, we had a lot of carryover problems from last year because... The weather after post applications in 2017 up until we planted here were fairly dry, which causes some issues with some herbicide. We saw a lot of Flexstar carryover in corn. Um, I have a couple of cases of Armazon carryover, which I've never seen before. We had some problems with acetochlor pre-taking out some corn stands and having them leaf out underground. You add in that acetochlor with a clopyrrolid, which is stinger, in a cold, wet environment, and you can really do what the name says. You can sting the corn. So we had some issues with that. Um, wow. You name it, we've had it. Um, I guess we haven't really had rootworms, though, so I guess I didn't get that one on my bingo card. But we have Japanese beetles started. Um, so we've had all kinds of issues. It just depends on where you are. 
So some people aren't even planted yet. So that's probably the biggest issue. Yeah, we have some friends. Yeah, yeah North Central Iowa planted, has had some right? issues. So. And they have some pretty thick soil to begin with. So even it just takes a while to dry out because it's kind of mucky. So, but yeah, every couple of days yeah. they'd get like two inches of rain. So, yeah, it's not even just, you know, and, and that's, yeah, it hasn't just been two inches, which a lot of spots have. I mean, just every couple of days you get two inches of rain, you know, since basically mid-May and, and some spots right here in Kasuth County, it's been, it had been drier. Um, like we just happened to get lucky, you know, even 15 miles to the east, you could really see the big difference in how much rain had fallen 15 miles to the west, the same thing. And, and so um, for us, you know, we have a lot that looks really good. The cornfields right around the house are amazing, but um, go cut the stalks, you go make for, sure. Right. I don't, I don't it want Mark to get mad at me. The guy that farms inside, it. Angie, and I don't even know it on the outside. Right. That's just it. We'll have to talk to the USDA about that. But um, now that's at what point do you want to know? Because there's nothing you can do about it. So do you just I, I kind of like I, I'm one of those people who enjoys well, being in I mean, the dark. I'm like, you should know is just it. for as far as watching the stocks to make sure if you need to get in there and harvest early, you can. I mean, that's really the only thing you can do. So. Mm, true. Yeah. So once it's pollinated and the ears are on, you're good. To, but so if you're taking a vacation, thing, take a vacation and cut your socks when you get home. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that before you go. You and go. that's for us. The, the biggest challenge here has been the heavy rainfall that we've gotten all at once. So like the other night we had five and a half inches fall. overnight. You guys, you guys made the yeah, news. We've, well, we've had a train derailment to the West of us by about an hour and a half. Ooh. And then Right now, the flooding in Algona is so bad that they just had a picture of uh, or a video of a gal kayaking through the park, oh. through the ball fields and everything like that. So the water's deep enough. And I mean, it's right along the river. So that's part of it. We've got a lot of the river that runs through Algona here. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's our basement for the first time. We had water kind of seep in and and uh, um which is small in comparison, of course, to the issues of a bunch of beans and, and stuff like that underwater. The biggest problem is, you know, we had that delayed planting. So there's some corn out there that was, you know, it's not even shin or knee high yet. And that's the stuff that's really struggling, really yellow. Um, and then there's others that's yeah. uh, incredibly uneven. Um this is the most uneven I've seen the crop, but again, I've only been here for four years. So, and that's very um, important to know if you're going to be putting on a fungicide application because you don't want to put it on too early if your crop is uneven because you can smoke a lot of those later maturing plants if you're not careful. Interesting. Yeah, yeah we had this issue. Oh, I don't know. For now, it was probably seven or eight years ago. Um, the two weeks prior to tassel which people argue about this, but if you were here seven to eight years ago and were an agronomist, you saw what happened in central Illinois. Um, basically, it kind of pooled on and, and caused arrested ear development. So we generally, our recommendation is to wait till at least 50% of the silks are visible in an even field. And in an uneven field, we're going to look at more towards 80% of visible silks because at that point, you're less susceptible to uh, having those types of issues. So, yeah, there were a few people that were talking about putting fungicide on before pollination. Is that normal? That's not normal, right? It's, I thought it was a late July. 
deal. It depends obvious. on where who you are and what you have to put it on. People who put yeah, it on okay. then generally have ground rigs as opposed to okay. the planes yep. that fly it later. So but a lot of people were not around to experience what happened during those years that we had a lot of arrested year development. And they say, oh, it was the surfactant or blah, blah, blah. No, there were some fields that had arrested ear development that just had fungicide and water. Some were ground rigs, some were um, aerial applied. So just the crop is very sensitive those two weeks prior to tassel and you should just stay out of it. Don't put any, don't put herbicides on then. Don't put fungicides. Don't put foliars. Just leave it alone. Which the way it's growing this year, that didn't give, give people a whole lot of time, really. Um, it was growing so fast. I know that ours got pretty tall and Chris was like, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to break it off. It's growing so fast Yeah. uh, with a ground rig. Um, talk about fungicides though. Did we, how did wheat come out this year? I don't know that ours was tested for vomitoxin, but, um, I would think with all this rain, it you, it's yeah. not harvested. I, I've heard be a problem. there are, there is some, some popping up, but I haven't, it hasn't been anything that's causing caused great concern, but I mean, I don't think harvest is yet nor too far north of that line above, you know, Indy area or whatever, right? Central Illinois into Indianapolis, not so. But and the other problem is right now, from what I understand, is that uh, um, there really isn't that much. There wasn't that much wheat planted. <laughs> So it's hard really, to get a sense yeah. of what's going on just because not a min, not, uh, um, what do you do with not, your 36 acres, Jen? Is it just to put manure somewhere or something? Yeah. The only reason we raise weed is so we can empty our, uh, hog pits okay. in the summertime. Um, and then, but not, you know, make, still make the ground mm-hmm. pay. Um, so we might get around to some double crops, but, um, Probably not. I'm going to guess this year. Um, sometimes we let coal, you know, plant 20 acres to double crops. Kind of depends on how fast we get the manure out and uh, get the pits empty. That makes well, for sense. as warm yeah. as it is, it probably has a good chance of, you know, filling that grain period later into September as opposed to the beans that are out there now. So might not be a bad right. Yeah. yeah. So we might. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It depends, we might. Uh, depends on how soon we can on. get those. Yeah. Uh, the manure on, but now like we got our wheat in and the guy who bales it, um, hasn't even had a chance to bale it. Like I said, we had those 4.5 inches and, um, it's going to be some dirty straw, but, um, and there's not much of it out there this year. Yeah. I've, heard, so, I've heard people say that. So I, we haven't even started hauling manure. Yeah, there isn't. Wheat was short. It was really mm-hmm. short this year. I'm not, I mean, I'm excited to get home because when I was home the last time, it was Mother's Day weekend, and so there. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't even anything that you could really tell. You know, growth wise, it hadn't even hardly done anything. There was some that had been killed off that didn't really make it through the winter all that great, or was going to go to potatoes or something like that. But um, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see what what happens. And I mean, in certain spots like the Thumb, they really increase wheat acres, so we'll have to see what happens there. And they've been dry, so there's no real concern over vom or anything like that but um i had a picture sent to me a couple weeks ago of a a wheat head that had head scab um but luckily the head scab had Mm. just and luckily maybe i don't know how to put it that way but uh 
luckily, I guess I'll use that term. Um, it, it had blanked it. So instead of it having a, a head with kernels and, and head scab, which would, could cause concern over the, the vom, it wasn't going to produce any grain. So I don't, yeah. Oh, so it was just. I don't know if that's a good a thing or head. a bad thing. And at the same time, you know, it's it's one of those right. deals where, you know, anyone that shares pictures with me is definitely going to share their worst case scenario. Um, so they could have been searching, found one head and sent that one to me instead of, you know, the 90 that, that looked good in that 10, you know, 10 foot square spot. Right. Oh yeah. No, every farmer is going to send you the yeah. worst picture they can come up with, even if it's just one yeah, spot that they found out of 48. But, so Karen, what are you guys, cause we're, we're talking a heat wave this week, right? And we kind of mentioned it a little bit early on, you know, about you, what you thought with, with pollination and stuff like that. Um, so if we do have, let's say we experience it, we, we experience some hot and dry weather, temperatures in the, the 95 degree range, overnight lows, 75 to 80 or something like that. And, and that's at the peak of pollination, but then it cools off and rains, you know, a week, if it rains, cools off and rains a week later, right? The silks will regenerate and you almost repollinate. Is that? No. Is that's kind of what happened. The silks will continue to grow until they're pollinated. So okay. if you don't run out of pollen, you're fine. But so you can keep if the if it rains and stuff, you know, like it, so you could be pollinating for for a week in hot and dry conditions. But if you see it turn cooler and rain were to fall, the impact of those hot and dry conditions. Well, I think we have a lot of places where it's going to be hot, but I wouldn't say that it's dry. So. Well, that's but lack of rain is what I mean. I don't mean dry like obviously the soil, the soil moisture is what is is that what helps? Yeah, because that's okay. where the the so, the plants are going to take that up through their roots. And you know, corn has a great ability if the canopy is closed to regulate the hu- relative humidity under the canopy and keep it at eighty five degrees. So as long as you have area, you know, you don't have a lot of areas in your canopy that's open then the corn is going to be able to moderate itself fairly well. And, you know, other things help with that. You know, if you have a lot of trash on the field, the, it's going to keep the, that area cooler and moister um, and different things like that. So there's a lot of ways that we can make it through the next week. And it's nothing that really? I would panic over at the moment. The part that's... Well, somebody somebody just said it's going to be 103 in Fort Morgan, Colorado. Good God. Do they grow corn there? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Well, then everyone who's not in those areas is going to be like fringe acres. Who cares? Fringe acres. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Anyone that's not in central Illinois looks at it as fringe acres at this point in time, I think. I'm not really concerned about pollination at the moment. What would be your biggest concern then about what's going on? Is it the disease? Is it the other? There is potential for disease because we are wet and it is going to be, it's humid under those canopies. White mold is a concern in soybeans. Gray leaf spot will be a concern in corn. But I think your main concern is how fast this crop is growing and how hot or how warm the temperatures are going to be during the grain fill period. I mean, that's so if we were to put in an order, what you're saying is we need we we need to be asking for cooler temperatures during grain filling. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. because you need the the August we had last year in July. Oh, interesting. Hmm. And what was August last year? Mid 70s. It was. Yeah, it was. It was a beautiful August. 
July was horrible. So the idea that that's not happening then is... The fact that we're early, like a month early. Well, we're not a month early. I'd say we're probably maybe two weeks early, two and a half. But, um, I mean, that pushes everything along faster. So, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you can spray some fungicides on your corn to try and slow them down. Um, You know... Last year, a lot of guys did that. It only gave them a week, which in some cases might be enough, but in other cases, that's not enough. So it just kind of, it depends. You know, Mother Nature is the one under control and we're not really sure what she's going to do. So (laughs) she could go either way. So, and you know. And that's, yeah. So, so basically the next three to four weeks are going to be important for those who are pollinating. Then, right. of course, like that's the obvious. I'm I'm making an obvious statement, but July is going I'm to be more a hell more concerned about after we pollinate than during and what's going to happen then, right? Because I, I think for the most part we're going to pollinate. Fields are going to pollinate, so I'm not really. Yeah, that, the pollination that doesn't bother me. And, and you think they're going to pollinate a good two weeks ahead of? I know schedule is not the right well, word. We but, have you some know. that are, have already been pollinating this week. So, well, we yeah. have castles this week. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Generally, it's like what the second week in July when we see tassels for the most part. Well, it depends oh, on where yeah. you are. So, right. Yeah, last year it was the third week in July here. Okay. Um, so, but, you know, I remember it being. Um, but it's about the same planting time. So yeah, we are. I mean, it's 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 odd how fast it's grown and and how, yeah, it's not. It's weird. Yeah. Fast forward. It feels almost fast. So forward. there's going to be combining in August. I mean, that's, that's people might as well I mean, said that, that, that now. So. That can mean a lot for market structure too. It's important to be aware that if you're sitting on old crop corn in an area that is pollinating in the next week or so, and you're trying to, you know, and you're thinking that uh, the basis has to firm in your neck of the woods or something like that. Like the reality is if, if new crop corn starts to hit the market, as soon as folks realize that they're two weeks, three weeks, four weeks away from, from harvest, which if the heat remains, which obviously will only be the people. Right. To and us. that's, but if the heat remains, Karen, would that, would that process continue to speed up or no? Is that, is grain fill kind right. of, or would you it? You can only accumulate so many growing degree units a day. Okay. So, and the growing degree units are based on 85 degrees. So whether it's 90 degrees or 85 degrees, it's the same. Okay. But. Normally that's, you know, normally we're not 95 degrees in May and that's where we got thrown off. Okay. And so that's, that's the concern then. So you will have combines running in mid August. So if you're sitting in an area and you're thinking to yourself, damn, harvest is going to be early this year. And you're looking at a bunch of full bins out back. And you're also thinking to yourself, well, bases should firm up come, you know, the end of July, August timeframe. One of those things is not accurate. Well, and one thing I think people need to seriously consider is the logistics and how they do things. So, yeah, we can plant our entire crop in a week, Mm -hmm. but should we really do that? You know, you can spread out your risk, you know, and I always, I don't mean to be mean when I say this, but, you know, for the 40,000 acre farmer guys, yeah, they need to be on it. They need to be going 24 seven, be in the field as early as they can and as long as they can. But 90% of the guys out there don't have 40,000 acres. And I don't understand their mentality of thinking that they have to get everything in, you know, before the next rain. 
you know, if you spread out your risk, you spread out, it's, it's a farmer you spread out your risk for um, issues like this, you know, the, the warm May and you spread out your risk, you spread out your harvest schedule, you know, you plan it all in a week, you're going to have to harvest it all yeah, in a week. Unless you have different. And that, you know, that may yeah. not be as ideal either. And I just, you know, we need to think ahead, not just what can I do right now this week, but what am I going to do now? That, and how is it going to affect me throughout the entire season all the way through harvest? It's so hard though. And we, we contemplated. Yeah, it is hard. We contemplated the lot. Like I said, the last three fields we planted, um, I dropped the planter depth about halfway through those fields to get some moisture, but it, it was, well, do we plant it or do we wait for rain? But when is the rain coming? And you know, the clods, it's, yeah. it's, it's it a is. hard call. I mean, literally you're, you're sitting there going, well, I can, it seems to make sense to yeah. wait, but what if we don't get rain? And then we don't have the crop in. Or what if we do get well, rain sure and get some of the guys, you know, yeah. like Central Iowa did, where we had so much yeah. that they never got it planted. Um, it's, but you have to think about it's you hard. Know, what do I do today, and how is it going to affect me the rest of the yeah. season? You know, is this I can only is remember. this the best option for you know my crop, or am I only thinking short term about you know now through Friday? Yeah. I can only remember one year where we finished harvest before Halloween. That was weird. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, I don't I mean, think we tough. ever have. <laughs> I mean, Nick, sometimes you're lucky to finish it before yeah. Christmas. Before but... Thanksgiving I and I have, 2012, yes. I think, was the big one for us where it was like, holy shit, I don't have to try to cover trucks on the Friday after Thanksgiving this year. I'm going to go do a cartwheel, you know. Well, and oh, I'm yeah. in North Dakota when it frosted on August 15th. Yeah. So... I mean, you just well, and I've read something before, you know, the old farmer tale there, like a long winter means an early winter is what someone had said. Like if your winter lasts long the season prior that a lot of times it shows back up earlier. Is that right? Damn, we're going to have snow then early. We had one of our older farmers, I think we saw him like in February and he said, whatever was happening in February, he said the Des Moines River will be out in June. It's out, and yeah. It's almost there. How are the fog <laughs> days working? So, um, there was quite a bit of rain on like May 26th, 27th, yep. and 28th. Um, so yeah, some of those worked out. I wouldn't say all of them, but yeah. some of them did. So we're definitely yeah. looking at that too. I mean, it's just, it's hard. It's crazy right now. Um, at least stuff looks uh, decent across much of the Corn Belt per the market analyst windshield tours that I'm hearing. Yeah, but if you went up in a plane, you'll see okay. a lot more of the wet holes. So that's going to be one difference between this year and yeah. last year is that this year we won't harvest those wet holes where last year we did. And the funny thing is, earlier in this season, um, Pitstick had said he was planting wet holes that he had not but planted since 2012. But that's a Pitstick thing. Like, let's, I mean, let's hold on. I can't stop giggling. <laughs> Here, I can only handle five wet hole comments in five <laughs> Oh, I was like, what did I even say? Like, I don't even have any idea. <laughs> then you're talking yeah. about pit stick. I'm right? sorry. I shouldn't have mentioned that. That's pit what I'm like. I think word. I said it in the word wet hole. Forget it. Yeah, it's done. <laughs> it was a podcast foul on my part. My apologies. <laughs> Come on, Steve. Um, no, and yeah, it, it started out really dry, right? And so, of course, if it, if it gets wet from being really dry, uh, it's going to flood. <laughs> So you can, yeah, there's a certain level of moisture you want to maintain to have it be adequate, I guess you could say. 
And I feel like we're doing I, it right now. Well. I feel like Gwyneth Paltrow and her Jade Rocks. But, yeah. uh, you know, for us, like I said, there's a lot of spots. That- but let's talk about what Michael Clark was talking about um, on his timeline. People had been asking and comparing it to 1993. And rainfall-wise, it is very similar. But growing much the green days, yeah. it's not similar. Much, much higher. Yeah. Uh, better, actually, I, I, in portions I, of Iowa than 93. But June, I think the big flooding hit in july that year and that's the only reason i say that is because 2015 was the last year that everyone was like oh my god it's so wet we're all gonna die everything's flooded it's not gonna matter anymore blah 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 and then i don't know why people try to i don't know why people try to figure out oh this is closest to this year because it doesn't matter yeah yeah It doesn't, but you know, I think they like, they like to, to think it does, but I'm just like, compare. does it, doesn't matter because it doesn't, because the minute you figure out the equation, mother nature's going to change it. Well, they love, so. um, correlation because then you can, you know, um, it does. It tries to make sense out of something that about? doesn't, but what else would yeah. we talk about? I don't know. Nobody wants to talk about dicamba. So <laughs> sure it's dicamba? About? That's what I'm just, I say to everyone now, cause that seems to be. <laughs> Are you sure, Karen? Because I'm sure. I mean, you only went to school for an extended period of time and are like a weed major extraordinaire, not the way I am. I mean, you can question me, um, but I question it when people are like, Karen, are you sure? Well, not only that, but they question like people who've been like extension weed scientists for you know better yeah. part of two decades. So, Hello? not to bring up a sore subject, but it's already been brought up. So, do you, is the dicamba damage this year headed towards as big as you thought it would be? It depends on where you are. Okay. So last year we watched it go from Arkansas and creep its way all the way to North Dakota. Mm-hmm. This year, well, Arkansas has a ban, and there were only supposed to be, I believe, six farmers who sprayed there, which apparently is turning out not to be the only six farmers who sprayed. Um, but I had calls from the Boot Heel of Missouri and the North Dakota with damage on the same day, and that day would have been June fifteenth. So when I knew, that, I knew that last year we had seen most damage show up about twenty one days after application. And here in central Illinois, the applications that I knew went out, I had marked down June 19th. So I wasn't far off. But um, if you look at uh, Dr. Bradley's report from Missouri, uh, I believe it was as of June 15th, um, Illinois had more than 150,000 acres damaged. And we were in the number one spot. So we have the Woo-hoo! most decamba damage, most ex-governors in prison. So We're number one. We're number yeah. one. Way to be, Illinois. Keep so, on Illinoising. Um, you know, Arkansas, I think, had 100,000. Iowa only had 1,200 acres. That's because we don't um, have anything planted. But North Dakota had said... <laughs> yeah. North Dakota had said zero, but I knew of already a case in North Dakota at that point in time. So Missouri um, doesn't have as many soybean acres, but their specialty acre reports um, complaints are up. Um, if you look in, I think it's Tennessee last year, the real foot... Um, some kind of recreational lake or wildlife, something or other nature preserve type area. Um, the cypress trees were damaged and those trees did not come back this year. Um, so that's kind of an issue. Um, I've seen posts by GMO watch and some other um, environmental groups 
have things posted. Now, I, there's always an argument. So yeah, we did see issues in soybeans from corn applications, but those showed up about two, three weeks earlier than the damage from those that were the soybeans that were sprayed post-emerge. We did have some issues with tank contamination and contaminated hot loads. Um, we had some issues with sprayer cleanouts, especially for the guys who got rained out. If you spray some dicamba, and even if you clean your tank, you can spray a lot of acres, but if you allow that chemical to stay in overnight, then some of that, which is stuck in the hoses and in the plastic pieces and in the tanks, is going to come out the next day. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen some issues as far as that. Um, like I said, we have Liberty Link soybeans damaged, non-GMO. We have pumpkins, blackberries. We have some trees in Illinois that died. Um you know, and there's a big argument. Well, why didn't they just plant extend soybeans? Well, it's not going to be the ding soybeans that gets this pulled from the market. It's going to be the specialty growers and the homeowners and the environmentalists who get this pulled. Well, I don't think you should have to plant something because your um, neighbor did. Your neighbor wants to spray something. I agree. Um, yeah. So some guys have non-GMO contracts. So why would they give up their premium to plant extend beans when, you know, they have it penciled out, they can make more money with non-GMO. Um, one of my guys in the Missouri boot heel planted Liberty Link soybeans last year and got damaged and he watered them out, watered them through it through irrigation. And he ended up with his best soybeans. So he planted Liberty Link again. And as soon as they got damaged, he started watering them. So yeah. You know, you, but, and everyone's like, oh, well, my non-GMO, you know, person damaged me, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, there's a difference between negligence yeah. and faulty product. And I think people need to keep that straight. So the whole, um, good excuse for, oh, it was AMS, high loads of AMS, blah, 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 sprayed with the Liberty. Well, it's really convenient that nobody had seen high AMS with Liberty damage until Dicamba came on the market. You know, Liberty Link has been around since I was in graduate school, which was in 97 through 99. And we have not seen an issue with the AMS load since then. So that's, you know, I thought we exhausted that excuse last year, but apparently we did not. Well, my favorite one right now is the yields were up last year. And, you know, last year, let us talk again about how great Mm -hmm. of an August we had. The August we had had more impact on our soybean yields than happens in most years. But even so, if your whole field is damaged, you have no way of proving it. I mean, some of those whole field damaged were 68, but can you really complain about 68 bushels per acre? Not really. There are a lot of the soybeans in those areas were 70 and 80, but unless you could prove that, you know, but with the whole fields damaged, you can't prove it. But, you know, we, we kind of only look at what happened here. But, you know, we had reports of up to 20 to 40 bushel yield differences. And the guys in South Dakota that had compounding stresses and also had drought, you know, lost 20 bushels per acre. And that's not really something to sneeze over because there was nobody yeah. to get that money from. The manufacturer said not their fault. It was the applicator. The applicator said not my fault. I'll turn it into my... Um, Liability insurer, liability insurer says, nope, wasn't the applicator's fault. It was the manufacturer's fault. And nobody got paid for yeah. those 20 bushels that got lost. So, yeah, people are going to be yeah. irate about this. So are, when are we through the, I don't want to say peak damage time, are we where where this is 
going to go away for another year. Well, in central Illinois, I'd say we have probably another week and a half because it's going to be stuff they sprayed 21 days ago. Now, we had some heavy rains after those applications. So hopefully, fingers crossed that the dicamba was washed off the leaves and down into the soil where it wouldn't volatilize on a lot of those applications. Uh, Mm -hmm. But we have really no way of knowing until we get through it. But like I said, it's not going to matter dinged soybeans. What's going to matter is going to be the specialty crops and the trees and like the wildlife and nature preserve areas. Yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. So do you foresee this coming off the market then? Well, I don't know. I don't really have a lot of faith in Pruitt and his EPA. (laughs) So, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure he can be bought by somebody if they wanted to pony it up. I guess I'm more curious to see what Bayer does now that it's going to be their product. Right. That's true. So, I mean, you could say, okay, we're only going to have a pre-emergence application. But if you have people who start planting in March all the way through people double cropping in July. Right. You're still going to have a problem. So, and the fact that we were warmer when applications were made, that, you know, is an issue also. So I guess we'll see. You know, personally, I don't really want to see it used in soybeans because I'd like to still use it in corn. But I have a feeling if it's taken off the market, it's going to be taken off for both. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be really unfortunate. Interesting. But I apparently hate the product and everyone assumes that I'm anti-dicamba. But, you know, technically, if it stayed, if it was sold, if it was as good a product as it was sold to be and it stayed where it was, it would be different. But it's volatilizing and moving. And I just don't think that that's a good thing for agriculture. Well, you know, it. Really, it isn't a good thing for agriculture because it's not only affecting agriculture, it's affecting other areas. So, I mean, if this were a fight amongst ourselves, you might think differently. I mean, it's still not a good thing, but you might think differently. But when you've got it affecting other areas, then I think then I think there's a it it becomes everybody's problem. Right. So soybeans are not the issue. I mean, it sucks and it's a problem if your soybeans get hit. Um, because you have to sit and wait for the rest of the summer to see how the season goes to see if they're going to come out of it. But it's going to be the high dollar crops that bring this to its knees, if not the environmentalists. So that's why I, but it doesn't feel like the environmentalists have really are paying attention to it, but maybe like you said, are they? Oh, if you, if you type in dicamba and Google it or put it in your search on Twitter, you'll see it. They're all watching. There was really? the Midwest investigative report, which found had some people looking like in Funks Grove, which is a nature area in central Illinois. They put up air sensors in schoolyards and in a church and somewhere else kind of around the Champaign County area. Um, so we have yet to see the results from those, too. But they're out there looking. Um but it's also the nursery people. You know, they've been damaged the last couple of years too. And if you get a tree that's damaged, okay, the leaves came back next year, but you know, will the tree last 10 years or yeah. will it last 20 years? You know, we just, we don't know. And right. they, you know, it's hard for them to sell a tree and say, oh, it'll last 30 years and then find out, well, it got dicamba damaged in 2017 and it only lasted 10. So, you know, that kind of works on their reputations yeah. too. So it's interesting. It's really, I mean, the whole entire thing's interesting. I, I mean, everything that goes on, um, it's amazing to see it right now because it feels like you're either exceptionally pro or exceptionally against the product. Um, and maybe Twitter just helps to make that more 
of a thing. You know what I mean? Um, maybe it just feels that way. Like the minute you bring it up, it's like, don't talk about it. When some people have have used it uh-huh. and have not had issues, but the applicator cannot control whether there's yeah. an issue or not. So the bond between the dicamba and either the salt, well, and the salt yeah. is very fragile. And so the dicamba salt on the Ingenia product is very large, but that bond is still fragile and stuff can break that bond and it doesn't really matter how heavy that salt is. And the VapoGrip technology, you know, is supposed to strengthen that bond, but from what we've seen, it only strengthens it for maybe seven or eight hours. And so instead of volatilizing, it's more of a delayed volatility. And that's when it picks up and moves in the inversion. So you spray during the day when it's fine, and six or eight hours later, it's in an inversion, and that's and when it breaks moving. and moves. So, but heaven forbid anyone would give a crap about the science of it. So, <laughs> I feel sometimes like you know, am I talking to a farmer about dicamba, or am I talking to an anti-vaxer? Because it feels like the same conversation yeah. sometimes. <laughs> Science apparently doesn't matter if it's not yeah. the story I want to hear. Which I think we're so. guilty of across the board and when I, it comes to a whole host yeah. of, of things. But it does feel like dicamba right now is one of those that is especially... Um, well, and the thing is, it's not new. And if people have used dicamba in their corn in their pastures for the last 30 years, it's not going to take that long where there's going to be resistance. And we've already seen it. You know, last year we had a non-dicamba field sprayed with dicamba and everything died except for the water hemp. You know, this year we had one particular field where some of them died, some of them were hurt and some of them were perfectly fine. So it's not a silver bullet and people need to really work on their pre-emergent herbicides and work on the timing of their post-emergence herbicides. And one of the issues that we had this year is instead of spraying their pre's and beans, they all decided it, a lot of people decided it was more important to plant so they planted soybeans with no pre-emerge herbicides. And okay. that was a hard lesson learned because those fields are a mess. So Interesting. So there's but, a lot yeah. of crap going on. Basically, well, I told you, up. I already had a bingo card. Yeah. Bingo card full. Actually, I was yelling uncle about three weeks ago. Uncle! Yeah. Please stop. It's way too early for that for uncle. You got a long way to go, honey. I know. Or... Last year, it was June 10th when I wanted to walk away. but Okay. So you were about a week early. (laughs) (laughs) Last year, we were still trying to figure out what was going on with Dicamba. Now we know it's just, you know, fighting the propaganda. But, you know, it is what it is. It's going to be somebody else's decision. So, yeah. No, I, um, yeah, I just, I just feel like there's a lot. I mean, there's, there's the whole trade thing. We haven't even, we didn't even get into that. Uh, I mean, markets, not necessarily trade policy because. You mean trade war? Oh, and that was one of the topics we're like, should we talk about it? Well, I don't know, because by the time you edit and release a podcast, which could take all of two hours, it could be completely different. (laughs) And Trump could have made three, five, ten tweets by then. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is a crazy year. Like you said, when you said that about the bingo card, I put that on about uh, the markets, you know, markets do right now. I, I. If you'd have told me this would be where we were trading right now on June 27th with the idea that we're going to see, you know, a heat wave coming in and we have early pollination and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, um, it's amazing to me with the supply and demand because we don't need um, we don't need a crop failure to make things tight. 
in corn and soybeans this year. That's the the biggest difference is the last couple of years we've needed, you know, a crop failure. We needed a 160 uh, corn yield and a 45 bean yield and, and stuff like that. But this year, you know, we're already seeing tightening, tightening ending stocks with a 48 and a half on beans and a 174 on, on corn. Um, the market seems to be trading a 180 right now, I think, and a 50 on, on beans. And, and what we were sure we last know. year for corn? 176.6. There's no way we're going to, we there's no way we're going to beat that. Yeah. So, well, you heard it here first. That's my marketing advice. Yeah. No way we're getting that. I I don't see it. Um, I try not to make yield predictions because I'm not an agronomist, but you are. So I will, will definitely welcome your insight on that anytime, you know. Yeah, just comparing. I mean, and I'm not looking at markets and I don't even know what the price of corn is today, but, you know, just this season, this year versus last year, we are not set up to be, have as good a crop as we were set up to have last year at this time. Yeah. We have the wet holes, we have the early pollination, which is going to, you know, make the grain fill faster and the grain fill, you know, grain fill and test weight are different things. So um, the grain fill is going to be smaller, I think. So yeah, there's, there's, that's my prediction, but you know, that and 50 cents will get you a can of Coke in like a small town shop and that's about it. So yeah, right. That's. So, well, and I'm not a market expert, so there's my disclaimer. Right. Me either. There's mine too. <laughs> um, so anything else you want to talk about, Jen? Uh, anything that you're seeing, anything that you're watching close or Nope. How's the price of hog? I don't even know. It's been pretty decent. Yeah, and it? it's not too bad okay, right so now. So the other reason I'm asking is I have a guy who's been trying to buy corn for his hogs and nobody wants to sell it right now. Really? Um so. That's really the only You know, we're not going to make millions, but we are above break even right now. So that's good. The only way you're going to make millions right. is if you started with more millions. <laughs> yeah, something like that, right? yeah. Because <laughs> if you converted your hog barns, farms to, or hog barns to marijuana uh, growing I might have to do that. Which I still think we need to do. Right. That may be a possibility that's, in the near future. Works. Even if it's just cannabis oil and not THC. I mean, well, yeah, we could smoke no some of it, couldn't we? <laughs> we can have a back room of the right. girls talk eggs special yeah. stash yeah you can't smoke we can have our own then. yeah that's awesome on that note uh we're gonna go try to plan our our vacation together now so <laughs> uh definitely uh throw us your insight tell us what you're seeing out in your neck of the woods i mean one of the biggest things that that i think is is not being discussed you know, aside from you know, the things that Karen's brought up with disease and, and other concerns, there is the difference in your fringe states, you know, what's going on in Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas. Now they've seen a lot of rain recently, so maybe it's a different story than than where we were before, but even parts of the Delta are struggling with some some dry conditions and this heat's not going to help. So um, yeah, tell us what you're seeing in your backyard. Uh, ask any questions if you have any, I guess. Um, and remember most of what we talk about is about our backyard too. So don't yeah. put your panties in a bunch. Yeah, yeah exactly. Please. Yeah. The last thing we need is wadded panties. So go ahead and pull them there's out. There's wet oh. spots and yeah. wadded panties. Because in, in this heat, there's going to chafe. Yeah. yeah. So. Ugh, uncomfortable monkey butt weather is what it is. <laughs> so, so yeah, on that note, have a great week. Try to stay cool and hopefully mother nature delivers to you whatever you need. And keep a cooler head. That too. Let that prevail. Have a good one.